Hi, welcome back to the show where I, Dallas Noctegal, talk about our Charlotte Mason education as it happens in real life. I am a home educator of three children who seeks to follow a Charlotte Mason method of education as best I can. I have previously studied fine arts in school, and so in this podcast, I will primarily be speaking about art education, drawing, nature journaling, handicrafts, and all things aesthetic. Right now, I'm reading through Betty Edwards' Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain. I'll also be weaving into this episode excerpts from and thoughts on a PR article on the same theme of the temporary and specific nature of a period of drawing and capturing the likeness of a subject. Let's get into it and enjoy our time together. Betty Edwards, Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain, we are picking up on page 101. Why draw? The idea that basic realistic drawing is copying what is seen on the picture plane may seem simplistic to you. If that is so, you may object. Why not just take a photograph? One answer is that the purpose of realistic drawing is not simply to record data, but rather to record your unique perception how you personally see something, and moreover, how you understand the thing you are drawing. By slowing down and closely observing something, personal expression and comprehension occur in ways that cannot occur simply by taking a snapshot. I am referring, of course, to casual photographer, photography, not the work of artist photographers. Also, your style of line, choices for emphasis, and subconscious mental processes, your personality, so to speak, enter into the drawing. In this way, again, paradoxically, your careful observation and depiction of your subject give the viewer both the image of your subject and insight into you. In the best sense, you will have expressed yourself in a uniquely human activity that has its origin in our remote prehistoric past. So that's a small section on another reason why we draw. I am also going to be reading along those lines something written by Francis Bate uh, from the PR, which is the Parents Review something that we often uh, read in Charlotte Mason. These were people associated with her school and the way that she taught and uh, instructors that helped her. This is in his paper called The Fine Arts and Education. And again, that is Francis Bate, if you want to Google that. I quote, Will you then forever cease to regard the practice of painting as sleight of hand? Believe me, aptness in the use of the brush is as easily and unconsciously acquired as the use of a pen. Dexterous use of the brush is as relatively unimportant to what is recorded by it as the skillful use of the pen is relatively unimportant to what is written by it. 
There can be no good picture painting without great powers of observation and the intelligent study of the science of appearances. The science of appearances is exact, as exact as mathematics. May I make an example of flowers to illustrate the application of the science of appearances? Amongst other sciences applicable to them is horticulture, which treats of their cultivation, the robustness of their constitution, their span of life, their propagation, their cultivation, the improvement of their characteristics of form and color, the soil suitable to them, its texture, and its chemical constituents. There is also botany, a science which deals with their habits, their structure, their organs, their classification, and variety. These are all concrete facts to acquire which we examine the flowers from every point of view. We uproot them, we dissect them, we remove them from their surroundings, and consider them almost without reference to them. The facts of their appearance are different. They depend not only upon the aspect and condition of the flowers themselves, the relation of the parts to the whole, and of the parts to each other in different qualities and characteristics, but their aspect also depends upon their relation to surroundings and to the aspect and condition of surroundings and to relations, conditions, influences outside themselves and their immediate surroundings. We may be able to change their surroundings and the outside influences, but we cannot disassociate them. We may take flowers from the field or hedgerow or garden and bring them indoors, place them in a vase or upon a table or in a box. We may change their conditions in a countless number of different ways, but do what we may, we cannot see them without surroundings. Any change of surroundings or change of relation of outside influences will cause change of appearance. Their appearance amongst the green grasses in the field will be different from their appearance as they grow in the garden soil against the red brick wall or as they lie indoors upon a polished mahogany table. They will appear different under the influence of sunshine, or gray weather, or rain, at a distance from us or near at our feet. The appearance of the flowers will, in every possible case, have certain fixed relations to surroundings and outside conditions and influences we cannot see or conceive flowers or any other object except under aspects influenced by outside conditions, for that is the way nature conveys to us the impression of them. I'll stop there. That's a lot to think about. So hopefully you found the link between those two different materials I read, the excerpt from Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain, and the excerpt from Francis Bate of The Parents Review. And so now I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of what that has meant in my experience and in our short homeschool experience so far. To give you an idea, I don't think I've talked about our 
school so much yet. Um, I still have a Form 1B student, and he's my first. So we're just kind of starting to creep into this territory. And I've been reading Charlotte Mason for about two years now. Love her. Love the ideas. I'm really on board with doing it to the best of my ability. And I find something new every day. And I belong to a wonderful group of moms who are reading the volumes that she has written with me. There's six of them. Um, we are beginning, actually, this next month, volume four, called Ourselves by Charlotte Mason herself. So we read um, a section of her work. We get together once a month on an afternoon and talk about it for one hour while all of our kids play in another room. So it's very sort of philosophical sometimes, very in-depth thinking, chewing on, um, understanding her. She lived in a different time. She lived in the 19th century. I believe, I believe the 1800s were 19th century. And these are the things I learn now being an educator at home. I learned my centuries. So, um, hopefully that's right. So, she has just a different perspective. She lived in a different time, but nothing is new under the sun. So the truths that she wrote about are still present today. So with that thought, I will go on to more of the topic I wanted to dive into, which is the drawings that you are to be doing are in a context. So with nature journaling sometimes people have uh, sort of decided to take specimens out of nature bring them home set them on a white paper sketch them and there is nothing at all wrong with that I think that's a great idea it really helps you to zone in on what you're drawing and have a defined object from its surrounding background and you're just kind of zeroing in on that one thing um, but some other things that I've listened to and read recently I think one thing was something Art Middlecoff was talking about um, drawing in the context of your walk and on your nature walk and I find that later I will link it in the show notes um, don't have it at my fingertips now but uh, nature journaling can be done in the field with your subject right there and that is its natural context so with the perspective of kind of showing in your drawing how God has put that thing in its context, be it a flower in the forest, uh, you know, a mountain and its surrounding geography, or whatever it is. Every subject that you're drawing has a light source, a time of day, a an atmospheric perspective, a 
light that's being reflected from the things around it onto it. And if you don't understand what I'm talking about there, here's an example. If I'm wearing a bright pink shirt and it's a very bright day and I'm drawing a thing in the room close to me that is white, I actually may notice that the thing I'm drawing that is white has a little pink tone to it because it's reflecting off my shirt onto that thing and it can do that on any color as well. So then again, <laughs> I'm reminded of the principle of drawing what you see in front of you instead of what you know. So I may know that that flower is white, if it's a daisy. However, if the context around my daisy has a different color, then it's going to take on a little bit of character from the light reflecting onto it from its surroundings. So that's another way that we can make our drawings more accurate and lifelike and give it some character that is depicting more the truth of what we are seeing. I recommend that you read this Parents River article by Francis Bate. I can link to that work as well and some other articles. Maybe this is something you can implement in your school this week. If you can find a subject that you're painting and if you are able to take a couple minutes before your student is about to paint within the lesson time to say let's consider the colors that you'll be using I want you to really look at this thing and see what color of yellow is it and why is it that way can you look around you and see what's around the thing making it seem like this object has sort of this little slight variation to it or even shadows. Shadows are always good to point out and often people want to just pick up their black or their gray and just paint in a shadow. Um, but I am, I'll challenge you to just look at your object and see objectively what color are you looking at in that shadow? Is it red? Is it a very dark red because the object is red? Does it have a little bit of blue in it? Um, have you made a color sheet from your colors that you can match it to in your color mixtures? Think about it and just continue to hone your skills and your skills of observation, your skills of accurate color mixing, and overall context of your drawing. So those are my thoughts today and thank you. Hope you join me again for a third episode and I hope this continues. It's been fun. As I narrate through some of this, hopefully this can benefit some of you who are seeking to do this with your home and your family and your school. So, so long and see you next time.